0: Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvent. This is the second of three episodes where I focus specifically on printing textiles. We left off our story of printing talking about roller printing. Roller printing uses engraved copper plates to press the engraved design onto the surface of the fabric. I want to talk a little bit about engraving, right? Engraving, as the word grave might suggest you dig a grave, uh, engraving involves putting scratches into the surface of the copper. The print paste is trapped in the scratches on the surface and the the uh, unengraved portions are wiped clean by the doctor blade. So every place that's wiped clean becomes an unprinted background, open to be printed by a separate roller with a separate color on it, of course. and. Uh, The engraved areas that carry the paste are refilled with additional paste and the process continues as the roller rolls on. I wanted to mention that because in a moment I'm going to talk about screen printing that uses a very different process. Before I get there, I did want to mention one last variation in roller printing. So besides this idea like, oh look, we can print on both sides, or oh look, we can have the background be mainly printed and have the design be in unprinted areas, such as white polka dots on a blue background. We can also actually print right onto the warp yarns before we weave them. This is Similar to what we do with ECOT, which is a type of resist dyeing that involves resisting yarns and then dipping them in dye. In this case, we're going to put on a whole design. And uh, an example, I saw this, oh, it was probably about 10, 15 years ago, maybe. There was a, a, a fashion season where Italian fashion houses were exhibiting uh, large skirts that had these warp printed florals on them. Again, you can copyright the design for the printing. So this couture fashion house could copyright the fabric they were using and nobody else could use the exact design. But because it was war printed, the flowers are kind of hazy. It doesn't look as cheap as when you use the word chintzy, which when we get to the finishes lecture, I'll explain why the word chintzy means cheap now when in the beginning it meant like, you know, ooh, imported all the way from China, right? Um, back when it took like a ship and years to do that. Uh, but uh, but these, these printed fabrics could be used by a couture house and not seem um, as cheap as printing money, right? All of the other printed fabrics, uh, because they were warp printed and then the filling yarns sort of fuzz the design up a little bit. Well, I mentioned screen printing. So screen printing involves a very different process than engraving. With screen printing. We apply a resist. Ooh, we're seeing a theme there. We apply a resist to the fabric to a a silk screen or another type of specially designed screen. Then we put a dollop of the print paste on the screen and we wipe the blade uh, across the screen evenly. And every place that the screen wasn't resisted, in the case of a piece of silk, little dots of print paste squeeze through every single interlacing in this woven fabric. Now, the difference between having a design made by little tiny dots and a design made by scratches, is it turns out, is actually very big. With the little tiny dots, we can have three or four dots close together and end up with a a blotch that really does seem to be strongly of that color. Or we could have the dots spaced out widely and just give kind of the hint of a color. We actually can do blending and shading with screen printing. Now we have photoresist processes, which allow us to actually use uh, photographic development uh, processes to make the resist on the screens so they can be manufactured in a very precise manner, rendering the design uh, that somebody might've sent as a computerized file into the screens. We could have, you know, uh, you know. 16, 18 screens, and any place that isn't covered by the resist, the little tiny holes of the screen allow the print paste to bleed through. Uh, it's slower than roller printing, so it's more expensive, but we end up with um, more naturalistic shading. You can tell that something was screen printed because along the edge in the selvage of the fabric, besides the copyright, You'll see what are called the registration marks, which are, uh, uh, you know, the first screen might put down black and then squares for each of the other registration marks to be shown in. And then that might say number one and then the next color might be like a mauve and it, it will say number two, three, four and five. The benefit of of registration marks, if they're they're done in this manner by having the first roller put down the black and then the rest filling them in, is that you can tell the quality of the print. If the uh, squares or circles that are filled in by the colors put down by each of the successive rollers is on register, lined up correctly, then the square circle will be filled in precisely. If it's a little bit off register, which is considered a defect, then you might see a little bit of white on the edge, uh, you know, a little half moon or a sliver of moon in the, in the circle and a little bit of color that's outside the edge. In other words, we're not quite coloring in the lines. And that helps us understand the uh, quality of the screen print that we're looking at. Now, believe it or not, we can do screen printing with rollers as well. So the screen printing on things like t-shirts is very often done with flat screens using kind of this um, uh, uh, rotation device uh, that uh, allows each of the different colored screens to be placed precisely onto the t-shirt one after another. We can also have enormous rollers that are screens wrapped around the rollers. I mean, the rollers are screens, right? So you could like Um, you know, blow air through the little holes in the screen, the roller is hollow. And this is important because we can't put a trough at the top of this screen roller and put the paste on the outside of the roller. The point of a screen is that the paste comes through the screen, right, from the inside onto the, well, what's now the inside of the roller, onto the surface of the fabric. So in fact, we have the, the trough sitting kind of at an angle uh, inside the roller. So we kind of insert the roller around the trough. The trough stays stationary and oozes the paste onto the inside of the roller as it passes by. The doctor blade right below it um, squeegees it on at exactly the right, uh, so that it's exactly the right thickness. And then the roller is pressed against the fabric and the print paste bleeds through the little tiny holes. So we can have uh, rotary printing, uh, screen printing as well, like roller printing. When we call it rotary, to you know, understand that it's not uh, a roller like uh, engraved design. Uh, That means that we can go lickety split very fast. Uh, Still, a bit more expensive extra trouble, uh, more difficult to clean, um, and uh, so we're probably going to do rotary printing with designs that we're going to use for a long time because we went to all the trouble to make the screens. That is the second major way that we will directly print onto the surface of the fabric. Now I'm going to talk about indirect printing because, as I said before, there's only kind of one example of indirect printing. And I want to explain why we wouldn't print directly onto the surface of the fabric. We had to come up with this solution once we started to have fabrics that couldn't handle the heat or couldn't handle the speed of having metal rollers uh, whipping across their surface, right? Uh, I'm talking about thermoplastic fabrics that could glaze or melt just a tiny bit on top if the friction of a roller uh, was applied to them also knitted fabrics that can kind of stretch and distort as they pull through a roller. So feeding these thermoplastic or knitted fabrics through rollers, we just found it problematic. We end up with kind of weird looking designs So the hand of the fabric changes slightly. So I had to come up with a better way to do it. Well, lucky us, especially uh, the synthetic fabrics already needed really high temperatures to have the dye bond properly. So just squeezing paste on the surface and hoping that there would be a chemical reaction between the paste and the fabric, not good enough for your average polyester. We needed something else. We needed heat, but we were worried about glazing it. So we can't have the rollers be hot. How can we do it? This is where we figured it out. So we take the dye that the synthetic fabrics like, the dispersed dye, and we print the print paste onto a piece of paper. And we don't want the dye to bond with the paper. It's not interested in cellulose anyway. We just want the design to be in the correct configuration on the paper. So we can print the design really nicely onto the paper using a normal roller, engraved roller, no big deal. But then... We can take the long piece of fabric that we would like to print, we take the long piece of printed paper and we lay the paper down on top of the fabric, or vice versa, potentially we lay the paper down and then lay the fabric on top. Then we blow steam through the paper. The steam is very hot, but because it's not like a slick metal surface and because there's nothing pressing against the fabric, it doesn't glaze. Yeah, it gets hot, but it doesn't change its shape because it's not under any stress. If it's a knit, it's not being stretched or anything. It's totally relaxed in this steam bath die actually does something called sublimating. We think of like, oh, sublime, this view is sublime. But back when romantic poets were calling things sublime, they were talking about a very specific idea. Something is sublime when it transitions from one state to another, skipping the intermediate state. So for example, when a saint goes into heaven without actually having their body rot in the ground, right? That's sublime. So an experience that lifts your heart clear to heaven without having to go through the pearly gates. Uh, Sublimating means that the dye actually goes from a solid state straight through to the vapor state without passing through the messy liquid stage. So we just simply vaporize the dye right onto the surface of the fabric, let it cool down, And now the design is printed in crystal clarity, the hand of the fabric isn't damaged, and we can um, recycle the paper. So you might find some examples, especially if you have a textile swatch kit, you might find a piece of paper that has a design on it and a piece of fabric that has the exact same design. And that's what indirect printing is. It's this method of basically blowing the dye onto the fabric using steam. Pretty clever, huh? I said I'd mention uh, digital printing. Digital printing, of course, is direct printing. It uses tiny little dots of color, so you can get an image that looks just about as good as a screen printed print. Um, uh, The digital printing is very expensive, so I pay about $18 a yard for digitally printed cotton when I order it from Spoonflower. The dyes are very expensive, and they're perishable. I looked into buying a digital textile printer. My colleagues at Other universities have them, Baylor, Nebraska, Iowa, they have digital prints. The faculty there who do designs can use the digitally printed designs. But you have to have a lot of people using the printer to make it worth it. You have to store the dye in the fridge and you have to throw it out every couple months. So unless I was printing tons of fabric, I would always end up wasting dye. I just couldn't bear that. So I'd rather work to try and figure out how to get the money to pay for the the fabric we need that's printed yard by yard than to have it be a big waste. It's great for sampling or for artists or for people who are doing specialty projects, uh, including carpeting, right? A a one-off specialty project might use digital inkjet printing for the carpeting. Uh, It's great for the photographic quality, but again, the dyes are very expensive. They have to be very specially formulated so that they can go through the printer head. You can't do this with your desktop inkjet printer. Let's put it that way. Well, that is our main discussion on printing. As I said before, I could get all into the 18th and 19th century, but that's a separate podcast. The next episode, we're actually going to talk more specifically about problems you can have with color and how to identify them so that you understand potentially what went wrong.